The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Welcome to Trouble Tuesdays tonight on Passion. Every Tuesday is the night that I spend the full hour answering all of your questions about love, sex, and relationships. Some people uh, send me their questions via email. They send it to Lori at drlori.com. You can do that too. Uh, anytime, just remember at the beginning of every show, except for Tuesday, which I spend all, all night doing, uh, I will answer your uh, your questions. You can text in at 514-800 if you want to speak to me right now. Uh, you can speak to me uh, directly at 514 so lots of uh, emails to get through and some of your texts. Let me just address a couple of texts that came in uh, late last night. Um, I'm a gay man in my 50s. I returned to the village after a long hiatus, bumped into some old clubbing mates. I have gained weight over the decade, but I wear clothes that make me look classy. The other guys had so much plastic surgery, they looked awful. I find it sad that they think they look good for their self-security. I left that night feeling pretty good that I'm comfortable in my own skin as I age. Your thoughts about self-security or... uh, especially of just a positive body image, right? So part of that is the acceptance, which you mentioned, which I love, is accepting your aging body. That doesn't mean that we should give up on our bodies or should stop taking care of ourselves. I think as we get older, it's even more important to keep fit. It's not, it's not about the wrinkly skin and it's not about some of the sagging stuff and, but just about being healthy. So, and feeling comfortable in your skin and feeling like you are taking care of your health Uh, even if you don't look as youthful as you once did, it's ridiculous to think that we can stay youthful. And uh, I don't know about you, but I can tell when someone's had a lot of work done, um, it's can be some of the, some of the, the stuff that's done just seems so obvious that it does say something about somebody's uh, confidence in themselves and in their, uh, their aging body. Now I'm not, it's not like I'm against uh, improvement in some areas if, if uh, there's parts that, that really bother you or uh, makes you feel better about yourself. Okay. Um, but self-acceptance and feeling good in your skin even as you age just makes you feel more peaceful also less anxious about uh, your body and such and looking for going out there and uh, looking for new relationships and what have you it's about confidence it's not just about how you look or how youthful you look so uh, good for you good for you for feeling good in in your body and in your skin and that's the most important thing I believe anyhow uh, uh, oh, well, a texture replies to that. I admire that man's confidence. It is better to age gracefully and naturally than to look like a Barbie or Ken doll. And I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm absolutely with you. I, I love, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I love aging. I, I have no problem with getting older. I think, um, I know that sounds kind of weird when I say that, but 
I often have, I have this way of looking at it. It's like aging is far better than the alternative. I've known far too many people who have died young that I celebrate every year I get older. And I I think we have to have kind of that attitude. I know a lot of people who are so depressed around their birthday. This is my birthday month and it's a, it's my 55th year this year. So I'm calling it my freedom 55 year. Um, and, and some people like they don't want to celebrate their birthdays. They get very anxious and upset about getting older. And I think like, Hey, what's the alternative? Like, it's not good. So be happy and feel good about yourself. And that's the grace needed to age nicely. And uh, again, naturally, if you can, that's wonderful. Uh, somebody sent in a joke, which I'll share cause it's kind of cute. A joke about two sperms. So one sperm says to the other sperm, how long before we reach the egg? The other sperm replies, it's going to be a while. We just passed the tonsils. <laughs> we need a laugh track for that one. Uh, all right. More questions for you. Um, this one by, uh, email. I have always been curious about a single topic. What should be the normal smell or taste of a woman's vagina? I had heard some men talking about it as salty or sour, but I really don't know what's true. Also, I would like to know if the pubic hair is a non-hygienic thing and if it's related with some smell in the vagina. So first off, there's not a, it's not like there's a normal smell to a vagina because each one can have its own particular, uh, odor. Usually the odor is mild, uh, yes, slightly sour smelling or musty smelling, but many factors can have an effect on vaginal odor. It could, uh, the types of food you eat, uh, where you're at in the menstrual cycle, the soaps that you use, even stress levels can affect the pH level there. If a vagina smells, has a strong fishy smell, then it's a sign of a bacterial infection. If it has a kind of a rotten smell, then that could be because a tampon has been left in there, which happens by the way, not so infrequent. It happens. Um, you talk, you ask a question about uh, pubic hair. It's perfectly hygienic to have hair. There was a time we did not shave our hair down there. We did not do any of that. We didn't laser it. We, we let it grow. Bush was in at one point. And then the trends, it, it was a trend to take it all off the Brazilian and, and then uh, the, the landing strip and all kinds of stuff. And now like no hair at all. So in these days, when you watch uh, porn, <laughs> you might notice that there's uh, no pubic hair like whatsoever, but it seems to be coming back from what I understand. Anyway, pubic hair is there for a reason. Uh, it's there, but you might notice that, uh, women with, let's say a lot of pubic hair might smell a bit mustier down there simply because of sweating. So when there is uh, sweating and moisture, it gets trapped in, in the hair. Basically the bottom line to all of this is that vaginal smells should not be like overpowering. If it's overpowering, then there may be something wrong. And at that point you need to go and check out with the doctor and see if there's some kind of infection or, uh, or what have you. But otherwise it's generally, uh, 
a mild kind of smell. Hey, if anybody wants to add anything to what I'm talking about, please feel free to, to send in, add to it. You know, sometimes I, I might miss a, miss some area or something that I'm not thinking about off the fly. Uh, and you guys are thinking about it, then, uh, then do bring it up as this one person did. When I eat onions and spices, it smells like that down there. And I prefer it to the normal smell. So there you go. If you have, uh, again, what you eat, you are what you eat, I guess, or you smell what you eat, uh, could be a factor. And yeah, that may be good. Your relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Your questions answered tonight until 11 p.m. Your questions about love, sex, and relationships. Uh, All right, here's one. I am 54 years old. For the past few years, I've been experiencing ED, erectile dysfunction, flaccid penis, no erections at all, have tried several drugs offered by many companies, which included several supplements, but no results to date. Have you any remedy to get back my erections? please. So before anybody can offer anything, you have, we have to know what the cause of the erectile dysfunction is. It's hard to know. Are you diabetic? Do you take any medication? Has your testosterone levels been checked? How about your blood pressure? What about your cholesterol? Are you overweight? These are uh, the questions, the kind of questions that need to be answered. So if you're experiencing, for any man who experiences uh, erectile dysfunction on a consistent basis, so we're not talking about once in a blue moon uh, inability to get it up, but this is consistently, then you need to consult with a medical doctor to see what's going on, especially as you age. So at 54, I would say, okay, there's probably something physical going on. Unless like you, unless you tell me, oh, I'm fine with uh, masturbation, but I'm not good with relationships or with another person. Well, then you don't have a physical problem if you're able to have erections with one behavior or, or with one thing and not with another. So if this is across the board and you're aging, I would say there's something is going on and it's an indicator. When you've got erectile dysfunction, it could be the very first indicator that something is awry in the body. So as we know that as we get older, we um, are, uh, you know, more likely to develop um, issues with our blood flow and things like that and heart issues and, and, and all kinds of stuff. So they are often a precursor warning sign that something is happening. So you must have, uh, take a look at that and have your doctor uh, take a look at that. Your doctor may send you to see a, a specialist, like a urologist, so that they have a, a look inside your penis. So what they can do is they could do an ultrasound to check the blood flow to your penis. For some men, what happens is that the blood goes in, but then it's like a hose, like a garden hose with a bunch of holes in it. So the water can go in, but starts to seep out. So there's something called venous leakage, which is also another possibility. That's usually 
um, where uh, where it's you you get an erection but you lose it uh, quickly. So that might be something that's going on, and that a urologist could look at. But blood flow is definitely one of the areas that uh, that needs to be uh, to be checked out to make sure that your other arteries are fine. Remember, there's a bunch of little blood vessels, blood little arteries in your penis. It's the penis is filled with blood. It's mostly blood that goes into the two uh, uh, corpus cavernosum that are on either side. It's like spongy tissue on e- either side, um, on both sides of the penis that fill with blood. So those are tiny, tiny little, um, think of them as little tubes that need to be filled with blood. And if there's blockages there, it might indicate blocks somewhere else. So very important to have that checked out. It's not that I want to scare you or anything, but it is uh, something that should, uh, should be looked at. And once somebody knows what the problem is, at that point, they can figure out um, a plan of action. So if you... Um, you've tried the drugs oftentimes like Viagra or Cialis or drugs, the ED drugs out there, you have to try them several times and before you can write them off as not working at all. It sometimes doesn't work the first time around, but it may. And remember that with those drugs, you need stimulation. So you can't just take the drug and look down and wait for it to happen. It's not independent of what's going on in your brain. So in order to get the erection on those drugs, you need to be aroused and you need to have the stimulation, which sometimes it's not so well explained. So people don't quite know that. So that's, uh, that's really important. And, um, so if those drugs don't work, then we move to, uh, another, uh, another kind of, uh, of treatment. So we have, but we have to see what is, what is going on there. So there are, there are options, some more invasive, um, but we'll have to see if we can figure that out. Sometimes using a pump is something to draw the blood in and then trapping the blood with a penis ring, a constriction ring is the easiest thing to try because it's uh, not a medication that you take. That's like the least invasive um, method to uh, to get an erection. So you might want to uh, try that as well. And if you lose your erection there, then it might be like a leakage somewhere. So there's different ways of telling, but that's why a thorough evaluation is uh, an absolute necessity. All right, to this question, do oral herpes and oral sex mix. In other words, can I pass a cold sore to my partner's genitals? I think we, uh, we talked about this, uh, not that long ago. Uh, yes, you can certainly pass a cold sore that's on your mouth to your partner's, uh, genitals. So herpes, it's called the herpes simplex virus, HSV can be passed through kissing as well as oral, vaginal, or anal sex. So, what we understand is that HSV1 is associated with the cold sores, the oral or cold sore, and HSV2 is associated with the genital sores or the genital blisters. But you could get either one of those things on the face or the genitals, HSV1 or HSV2. Um, and we're apparently seeing so much more of the genital HSV1 um, because teens are having so much more, um, oral sex. So we're, we're seeing more of it in oral sex. So basically the bottom line is to protect yourself. You need to use condoms also with oral sex. If you want to protect yourself 
from um, herpes as well. Uh, let's see. Oh, this, uh, this text here. No matter what your age, life offers wonderful surprises. It's not only about love and sex. You're right. It is also about surprising connections. Was in a mood the other day. Had to run errands. Um, <laughs> Heskies and ended up at Lester's. Crowded, so waitresses separated table for four into two. I sat at one and a young man sat in the other, young enough to be my grandson. He started up a conversation. I was wondering, why is he talking to me? We shared the hour together. Other older men in the restaurant wondering what was going on. Nothing but conversation and laughter. Although I walked in there to have lunch and left alone, charm won out. After he left, the waitresses smiled and winked at me, said, what a nice young man. I smiled and left with a sunny disposition. No matter what your age, life wraps up surprises. And then, <laughs> but only if I was decades younger. Uh, you're right. Life is full of, um, of wonderful things, actually. Uh, you just have to be able to see them, right? Uh, I agree, Lori. In my opinion, life is a dynamic, multidimensional experience as opposed to a fixed static image. And to fail to recognize, accept, and adapt to such a vast encompassing philosophy in favor of a com comparatively rather rigid and objectifying illusion instead is to sell yourself short of such a multifaceted adventure. I love that. I love that. I think that's wonderful to see life as a multifaceted adventure, no matter your age. And I have the pleasure and the honor of talking to uh, people of all ages. I love uh, going and giving workshops in uh, seniors' uh, residences and uh, retirement communities. I love talking to these people. Average age, by the way, is about 84, 85 years old. Such uh, 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 dynamism. And I go there to talk about sex, by the way. So I'm just letting you know, uh, they want to hear about it. They want to talk about it. They're passionate. They, they, uh, I've spoken to numerous people in their eighties who have fallen in love again. And to hear them talk tells you and shows you that life just doesn't end as you get older, nor does sex, nor does passion. Like the need for or the, the uh, appreciation of passion and love and desire and all of that has no age. It has no age. And that is uh, what's wonderful. But you, it's an attitude. It really is a, an attitude. And keeping that open keeps you more passionate with, with pretty much everything, right? And in all your relationships and all the connections you make. It doesn't have to be love connections. It could be like this texture wrote in, just being open to f just friendly discourse with people and meeting new people. And, uh, it's wonderful, wonderful. So coming up, I've got questions to answer about pregnancy. One interesting question, uh, that was sent to me by email about, uh, what, how to, or what is, uh, deep throating. We'll talk about that. And of course, uh, more of your text. So please send in, uh, your questions, uh, your comments 
at 514-800. And throughout the week, if you want to send me an email, you can do that, Lori at drlori.com. If you don't hear your question or maybe you fell asleep or what have you, you can always get to our podcast. All our shows are podcasted, whether you have the podcast app, whether you go on iHeartRadio, whether you go on my website, you can find all that there. So more of your questions coming up. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all-inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Answering your questions tonight on the program, 514-800 to text them in, 514-790-0800 if you'd like to call in, or you can email them to me, uh, lori at drlori.com. I don't use any names, so have no fear. It is uh, strictly... Uh, anonymous. I don't want to say confidential because obviously everybody hears it, but it is uh, it is anonymous. This is a super interesting question I got by email. Do porn stars take their tonsils out to deep throat because it looks hard to do? Uh, so if you don't know what that refers to, it really means, um, especially when they see it in porn, it's like taking the penis in uh, through oral sex all the way in. Um, meaning to deep in uh, the throat, basically, is how it got got its name. So no, as far as I know, porn stars do not get their tonsils taken out. I'm not, you know, tonsils like move or there's an there's. I'm not sure. Like this is not. I don't know how the the anatomy of the throat is, but I'm pretty sure they don't have anything uh, removed. But what they do do is they practice a lot. So if this is something you want to do yourself, then you have to uh, take some practice at it. I think just about anyone can do it, except for those that seem to have like a really bad gag reflex. Some people have a worse gag reflex than others. I can tell you that no one is born being good at this kind of thing, but you you can learn. Uh, the way to do it is learning how to control what we all have, which is a natural gag reflex. So the way to do that is you can, um, you can practice with your fingers by sticking them down your throat until you can control that gag reflex. You know, it's like when you stick your finger down your throat, isn't that the sign for throwing up? So instead of, uh, getting to the point where you throw up, you don't, right? You, you try, you're learning to, uh, to control that gag reflex. So it has to start with that. It's something that you, uh, have to practice. You may have to stop and start, um, and taking breaths in between and, and all that to do it. When you, um, no longer gag with your fingers, then you could probably move to, um, to pro using a dildo, like a flexible dildo, not a rigid dildo. A, a normal, a regular penis is more flexible, not so uh, rigid, meaning you can move it around right at the base. So maybe getting one with a suction cup or what have you. So you can do that and, and experiment with uh, a flexible dildo, moving it around until you find a comfortable uh, position. And once you feel you've mastered that, then you could move on to the real thing. Now, this is something you have to take slow. You have to breathe. Um, you should also make sure the penis is well lubricated uh, with saliva. And please don't forget 
to practice safe sex because you can catch an STI this way, a sexually transmitted infection. So best is to have your partner uh, wear um, a condom. Uh, somebody says they also use lidocaine. Uh, you think they, I don't know. I don't know if lidocaine in the throat would stop the gag reflex. I, I'm not sure. Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, all right. Another question. Why do uh, menses seem to get worse with age? I don't remember having such bad cramps when I first started lately. It's like a ton of bricks in the first two days. So, uh, this is actually a question I, I will ask. We'll ask again tomorrow evening because our gynecologist will be in studio with us. So that's something that she will probably have a better answer for. But our menstruations and our menstrual cycle does change with age as and we can be in a premenopausal period for quite a few years where uh, some women experience like really uh, wonky periods, like either they've got uh, more pain or, sh- or they're longer or multiple periods or or they miss a month or two and then they go on again until you finally get to a point when you get no more periods. But it could also indicate some other issue. If you've got a lot of pain, it might indicate um, the development of a fibroid or something else that's going on in there. So if it's something new for you, anytime there's something new, a new sensation, new pains, have it checked out by uh, your doctor. I mean, this isn't a replacement, even when our gynecologist is on, it's not a replacement for uh, an actual um, uh, evaluation and uh, having somebody uh, look at you. Like it's important that you still go to the doctor, tell your doctor what's going on. They may order an ultrasound to see inside, to see if there's anything that shouldn't be there that's there or something causing the pain or uh, something going on in your uterus. So that would be uh, something important to do. A question. So the condom broke after about three minutes of sex and I'm on my period. He said there wasn't much pre-cum because, in he, because he wasn't super aroused. What's my probability of becoming pregnant? Okay, a couple of things. If he didn't ejaculate inside you and you're on your period, I would say that the chances are very slim. But you should know that it's still possible to get pregnant from pre-cum, no matter the amount of it. And how does he know how much there is? Because guys don't feel the pre-cum coming out. So, uh, but the chances, even from pre-cum, are still slim. Even though there's there could be some live sperm in pre-cum, they, it's, uh, I mean, you could get pregnant that way, but the chances are slim. So I'm just doing the math here. If I add... Those two factors, being on your period, no ejaculation, and the low risk of uh, with the pre-cum, then I would say you have very little risk of becoming pregnant. If, however, you miss your period, like after a few days when it's supposed to come, do a pregnant, do just do a pregnancy test. But it's not something that I would uh, like between now and then stress out overly. Um, for this. So the, the risk is still very, very low. It's, there's never like no, no risk, uh, but, uh, very, very low risk. 
So I hope that answers your question. Do you have any questions for me? You still have a bit of time. We have uh, till 11 p.m. here at 514-800. You can text uh, text your questions in. You can also feel free to call me if you'd like at 514-790-0800. I'll take any questions regarding sex, your sex life, a, a random sex question that you might have. If you're having trouble in your relationship or you want to talk something out or you want to ask for a friend all good. Take it all. Uh, so uh, do uh, do reach out to me here. It's Sex Out Loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. We still have a few minutes left to get your comments, questions in at 514-800. This regular listener writes uh, on the subject of deep throating. Deep throating is like swallowing food. When we eat, we relax our throats to do so. So it's simple. Uh, well, the only thing is, is that we gag when we're not, ex- when we're not, you're right, when we're not relaxed. So the, the whole practice with it is to learn how to relax your throat. But with food, we do that so naturally, and when we insert anything uh, big in our mouth, then we we might like the reflex is to uh, like you know there's that that reflex is there for a reason that gag reflex is there for a reason. So uh, learning and practicing relaxation of the throat obviously works. Uh, hi again, you have answered me before about the fact that I can let my boundaries no x not having sex on the first or second date but what about example not having sex on the first second date but what about men why don't they seem to have any boundaries why do they think it's okay to have sex on the second date when you barely know the person there's no mystery left no build-up again i think you're probably um you're probably just making grand generalizations here. I think there are some men who have boundaries, some women who have uh, strict boundaries. It depends. Everybody has boundaries. Uh, It's a question of being able to express those boundaries. But uh, if you think about it, so for maybe what you're experiencing is that a lot of men want to have the want to have the sex and so are if you're offering they're willing and they're that's the bottom line women are on the receiving end of that sexual uh, attention and generally this is why we have the boundaries and it's okay if you don't want to you say it out loud you just have to say it that these are your rules for dating. You're allowed to have them. And if a person doesn't respect that, then it's a great way to uh, eliminate people who uh, aren't good for you because you want somebody ultimately who's going to respect you and respect your boundaries. And if you say, look, I really like to get to know somebody uh, a little bit before I I jump into bed with them. And if uh, you're not okay with that, well, then then bye-bye, right? We, uh, We move on. All right, question. How do I masturbate correctly? I'm a virgin and I've never masturbated before. Okay, good question. Uh, There's, first of all, no one way to masturbate. Uh, A good place to start is to get to know your vulva. Your vulva meaning all the parts of your uh, genitals, the labia, the, the, the lips, the clitoris, 
and your vagina. And the best way to do that is by taking a mirror, like one of those handheld mirrors, and just look at yourself. That's the first step. Have a look at what you own. It's yours. Get to know it. Um, And then you can begin by touching and stroking every part and see what feels good for you. Being relaxed, of course, helps. Maybe doing this in uh, the bath when your body is relaxed, you could do that. Um, and then you're when you, you start exploring what feels good for you, generally speaking, if you, once you get to, uh, uh, once you start massaging your clitoris, for example, it's probably where you will feel the most, uh, sensation and, and, uh, women do this with their fingers. Some women will, um, want more pressure there. So they will, um, they'll, they'll want to uh, maybe sometimes squeeze something between their legs or, uh, squeeze against something like put pressure against something. So that's something that you could do shower heads. Some women use the shower heads that offer some, uh, pressure on the clitoral area. You can also try just, uh, if you want to buy, a clitoral massager, although most people start with their hands or, or a shower head before they get to buying a a sex toy, but that's still, um, a possibility as well. Uh, all right. I'm trying to figure out another porn star, uh, porn question. If I'm trying to figure out if there's anything that porn stars use to make their penis bigger, and if so, what methods do they use? And could you tell me the dosage? So we're talking about, I guess you're talking about medication if you're talking about dosage. So uh, it is one of the most common questions I get, by the way, not not the porn star business bit, but the, the penis, getting the penis bigger bit. Uh, so you should know that male porn stars are usually hired because they happen to have very large penises or they last longer, whatever. They're hired for their abilities in in that area, but that's not reality. Not everybody uh, can be a porn star or wants to be or needs to be. Uh, That's not what real life is all about. Like, just like women. Um, And just to answer your question before I continue on that rant, there's no medication on the market. None that can increase the size of a man's penis. I don't care what people try to sell you. There isn't. You can take medications like Viagra for that are erectile dysfunction medications, but what do they do? They, what they do is maximize your erection. So they, uh, you have, uh, uh, you have, let's say this much space, like a certain amount of space in your, uh, in your penis that gets filled up with blood. It maximizes that space so that all the vessels are filling, uh, with blood and you get, you get your full, full erection. So, which will make your penis look bigger. So that's the one thing, um, that people do, but there's no actual medication to grow your penis. There are also no scientifically proven methods to increase length significantly. So we had this discussion with our, our doctor that was on, um, last week that there really isn't like whatever's available will increase by a centimeter. That's it. And that's like a a surgical procedure to detach the ligaments and, 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 and kind of change positions of the penis. And it comes with its own, uh, its own issues. But he did talk about, uh, there are methods for 
increasing girth, which are injecting fillers in the in the uh, in the penis, for example. So injecting fillers, uh, either um, used from your own fat, your own cells, uh, and and that's a possibility. So I know that doctors are are using are are doing that, but that's for girth, for thickness, not for length. So uh, that's the in a nutshell. Is silicone massage lotion safe for ingestion while having sex? Uh, what do you mean? You want to eat it? Uh, I'm not. So if you happen to get it, uh, like to lick it or what, usually those are, are safe. You wouldn't be drinking a bottle of silicone massage oil. I would hope, or massage lotion or lubricant. Um, but there's no danger if you get a little bit in, uh, in your mouth. No. In fact, there's some that are specially formulated for that, that have, uh, kind of flavored, uh, types of lubricants, but, um, no silicone massage. Uh, they usually, you usually should not cause, should not have any toxic or, or harmful effects, but check the label. Got to check the label for everything. Right. And usually getting the stuff that's the, has the least amount of chemicals in it is probably, uh, your best bet. If you want to go a little more organic or natural. That's it for me. Thank you so much. You can send in uh, your messages to me, your your questions by email. I'll answer them at the beginning of every show. Uh, Lori at drlori.com. Thank you so much for uh, spending your hour with me. So appreciate it. Thank you to our technical producer, Brian Kalisar. If you want to connect with me on social media, you could do that at uh, Dr. Lori Batito, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O, or the fastest route is go to my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>